Good morning to you, Thursday morning. It's very dark out there. Turn on your lights if you're driving, please. I'm not lecturing, I'm asking. Today, we're looking at a town without water for day four. Also, the Taoiseach joins us on today's programme. He's coming to Athenry tomorrow. And speaking of Athenry, we're looking at the Bia Innovator Campus. I was there during the week, and we have a lovely package coming from there. We're looking at the, the RT Late Late Show, the music, and indeed what happened there. We'll also look indeed at the persecution of some Muslims. We go to astronomy on today's programme. We've got Culture Corner, music and much more between our 12 midday. Comment lines are open if you want to get through to us on 086 38 33 It is a Thursday morning. A very good morning to you. Good morning to you. Welcome in to today's programme. Well, it is a town without water, so it is. And I'm joined on the line uh, by Michael Gibbons and by Eileen uh, Mannion, indeed, uh, the local councillor. But Clifton has not had water for nine... This is the fourth day, I do believe. Let me go to Michael Gibbons, who joins me on the line. Michael, good morning to you. Yes, the one thing we weren't expecting after all the rain we've had that we'd be running out of water, but that's the way it is. That's you know, it's been a problem... <laughs> Like the lakes are brimming with water all around Kilmara at the moment. So, it, but it's it, a major problem. It's the biggest break for a very long time, I'd say, in the water supply. It's impacting lots of people very badly. And they just cannot find where it is. That seems to be the problem. Yeah, well, historically there's underinvestment in our water resources, of course. And that's one of the sort of downsides. I mean, the council have been very proactive and they've been very good in terms of water, getting water stations and all that. So they've done that sort of very, very well. Um, but like not being able to find the actual pipe is a bit of a disaster because it's not like we're under a city. There's only a short distance between the pump station and uh, the water treatment plant and uh, the main road. But uh, it's a, it's a, it's one of these water mysteries we might call it at the moment. But particularly for people that are sick at home, like it's very difficult for them. Uh, and for kids, I mean, the schools are closed. Coffees are, the coffee shops are. Um, and the pubs, you know, everyone, it's very, you know, it's, it's just putting everybody out, you know, in a, big, in a major way. And, I mean, when you say they can't find it, is it that they can't find the pipe or they can't find where the leak is in the pipe? Well, they're, 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 I mean, there's a team out, I'm, I'm just on the road now, so there's a team out early this morning already looking for it. Well, that I'm not 100% sure on, to be honest, but I think it is that they're, they're still looking for the, the actual pipe. Where it, where it interfaces with the with the, the main networks that's supplying the town. There's like there, there, there are several trenches has been dug. So, I mean, it's, it, but so clearly the mapping for the pipe, the main pipes must be um, deficient at some level. Mm. Yeah, um, if you couldn't find it now, it, 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 it's a sad scene. If you couldn't, if you couldn't lay your hands on it, because you know what, you know, you know that area intimately, Michael. So no pressure, uh, but um, yeah. It, it must be putting pressure on the town, though, because, I mean, to be without water for that length of time is just, it's it discommoded. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, just simple things, not being able to wash properly, and kids, small kids, and there's lot, you know, there's lots of people who are quite elderly and infirm, and, and people who are sick at home, you know, which, you know, can't get to the doctor because they can't shower, and, you know, very basic stuff like that, so that's where it's really impacted that now, and it's like, we've no kids at home now, so it's not too bad, but families that do, and, and of course, the, kid, the schools are closed, and and play schools closed, so that's impacting lots of people. You it's know, huge and, pressure on people. Like yeah. It's, yeah, so it, it is tough, and any little business, of course, is happening. Uh, stay with me, Michael, if you can. There, let me go to Councillor Eileen Mannion uh, today. Eileen, good morning. To you. It's an unfortunate situation, uh, but day day four in the Big Brother house without water. 
Good morning, Keith, and good morning, Michael. Oh, absolutely. And as Michael said, this is the first time in, in my memory, and I'm 15 years in the council, that we've had a major water outage yeah. like this in Clifton. And they have been looking for the, the leak and the pipe since uh, 7 a.m. Monday morning. And I don't think, you know, I don't think we were, uh, the town were aware of that until, you know, the, the water ran out Monday evening. And um, it is very frustrating for the men on the ground, you know, and, and I suppose the fact that we haven't had an outage before is thanks to the great work of our local uh, water service team here in the yeah. town who, like, take this so personally and are really frustrated that the leak hasn't be fa- been found. But today they are running a, a pipe overground to... Um, um, to bypass, I suppose, the existing system, and they hope to have, you know, a supply back to Clifton sometime this evening. Now, it'll take a while, I suppose, for the reservoir, and that's if everything goes according to plan. And yesterday was a beautiful sunny day here. Now, today isn't as nice, so hopefully that won't delay things. But it will take a while for the uh, reservoir to fill up um, and the water to come back into the town. So I'd urge people, you know, to make sure their taps are turned off and not to, I suppose, leave taps running or anything because, you know, we need to build up the reservoir when it does come back. And I suppose, you know, it is an old pipe. I think the rising main is is very old. The guys, the crews have told me that it needs to be replaced. So that's something I'd be uh, raising with Irish water or Ishgairn, as they call themselves now. And I suppose we're lucky in the fact it happened in January, which is the quietest month of the year in Clifton. A lot of businesses close because they take a well-earned break because it's such a busy tourist season. And so we're lucky in that regard. And I would act dread to think if this happened in, in our busy tourist season. So yeah. like it's vital that Irish Water replace that rising main, you know, as, as, a, as a priority for our town, because as we can, we, I mean, we couldn't cope if it happened. Like it's very difficult for people, as Michael said, people at home, sick people with children. But the schools are actually open. Uh, Clifton Fire and Rescue have really come to the rescue and, and, a, and a great shout out to them to thank them. They, the National School is reopened today. It was closed yesterday. Um, the community school is open to, I suppose, half the school. Their exam classes are there and one or two other classes. Um, they, they've kept water supply to the you know, the, the nursing home, to residential units. They've also supplied water to some some commercial businesses. Um, now, they couldn't do for domestic homes, uh, you know, because where were they start and where were they end? But they really have, I suppose, helped people so much this week and I'd like to thank them. And, so all, and the crews on the, on the ground, they are working so hard and like they are equally frustrated um, that they haven't been able to find the leak. But today they are putting in place a plan B and um, hopefully uh, the water should be restored this evening or early tomorrow morning. But I will say about Ishka Aaron, and I hear my colleagues in the chamber continuously saying the communications, because, you know, this is the first experience I've had of water outage. Um, like they, they really haven't been communicating properly. They had put up that it'd be back 2 p.m. Wednesday, which wasn't didn't bear any, I suppose, resemblance of reality on the ground yeah. so I've been updating from information I'm getting from the crews on the ground and that's probably the best information I can give and uh, you know that's what, how because people if there's a void in communication or a void in information people get very frustrated oh, but it so, must be it uh, mu- I mean it, it must be very frustrating for family members how do you flush a toilet uh, if, sure if your tank is empty yeah. how do you wash yourself how you know Michael Gibbons says there's nobody at home in their house but um, you know it's it's the basics I suppose of it and I know when I spoke to you this morning, uh, earlier on this morning, I asked you about the Abbey Glen, but they're closed for the month, so they are, so they don't open until February. Um, but I mean, pubs and restaurants and all of that, how in the name of God do you survive without water? Because well, even your toilets you can't to be flushed. You know, and that's a huge impact on business because, you know, we had frost, weeks of frost where businesses are impacted, schools are impacted, you know, so we've had a litany of things. So, like, it is a huge impact on, you know, revenue and people, like, you know, if they food in and the, the staff, you know, roster to be in place and then they have to close their doors. Um, 
you know, like the town yesterday, I drove around yesterday afternoon, and like it was really desolate, you know, to see all signs up closed due to uh, water problems, you know. Um, but as I said, you know, and we really have to have a campaign to air and to replace that water rising main because as I said, if it happened in the peak season, I just dread to think what would happen to, you know, to the businesses uh, who are impacted. Like we've had COVID and other things, you know, businesses are struggling and they're very resilient in Clifton, I have to say. And some business did stay open and they weren't able to do teas or coffees or things like that. Um, But with the help of the fire and rescue service um, providing water for flushing toilets, that's helped as well. Yeah. But they wouldn't be able to do that if the whole town was open, if all the hotels were open. And um, station house is open. I don't know how they're managing. Um, they're open right through the year, and that's great. But uh, I said, if every hotel was open and all the businesses were, were supposed to be open in high season, it would be just a disaster for the town. But thankfully, as I said, it's happened in January, and hopefully we'll resolve it uh, later today, and hopefully uh, we'll get a new rising main uh, if we keep the pressure on Ishgairn. Pardon the pun, if you don't mind, with all the pressure that needs to be put into the water to get it to get it back up the hill again. So it does, uh, Michael. You're still with me there. I mean, is is there? Um, I mean, how's the best way to find the maps for these um, for these pipes, or is there a way of finding them? Well, well, they should have been. I mean, the council should have had a record, or if they are whoever's in charge of them, of where the various networks are. But there's been quite a lot of roadworks on the way into Clifton. In fairly recent years, so unless they, 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 they have mislaid them or they're not properly mapped, but you know that's why you need a good, that's why you need the investment continuously in in your systems and and in water engineering in particular. You know, cause, yeah. uh, it's been underinvested. We've taken water resources, you know, really much for granted, and it's only now when you see it from the shortage of just how essential it is. Um, so we need more you know, more investment in in the. In the whole water infrastructure, not okay. just in the town, but like throughout Connemara, this is an issue where there's been little business being cut off with short notice and not being informed. And the lack of information, I suppose, that I didn't say outlined there, I mean, that is really, really annoying, you know, because you're trying to plan stuff and okay. people trying to go to medical appointments. And, you know, it's very, very difficult. We'll put a call in to Aaron with Michael Gibbons and uh, Eileen Mannion, Councillor Eileen Mannion. Um, thank you indeed for joining us uh, today on the programme. Quick commercial break and Antisha Gundi, Leo Ryker joins us just after these. Now, very good morning to you with you right through until 12 midday. The Thetia will be joining us shortly. Indeed, he's coming to Galway tomorrow to the Bia Innovator Campus, which is an absolutely stunning campus. I was there on Monday uh, with the crew, and it's absolutely stunning, the whole place. And for those uh, that are innovators or in the food industry and that, stay tuned because I have a lovely package coming indeed uh, from uh, that visit on Monday to the Bia Innovator Campus. Uh, So stay with us, and we'll give you full details on that. Uh, quite shortly. Uh, somebody else said, uh, whose idea was it to take away control from local government and local authorities and give it to one body, this caller said. I don't know whose idea it was, but you know what, we'll figure that one out too. Anyway, Tisha Leo Radker was in town last week, indeed with the Dexcom announcement and for the Connacht game and all that went with it. He's back in town again this coming Friday, so he is, and uh, all to do with that um, Be an Innovator campus, and he joins me on the line today. Tisha, uh, good morning to you. How are you today? Good morning. Uh, uh, very good. How are you? Good. Very good now altogether. I was ac- actually at the campus, by the way. I think you will be pleasantly surprised when you see it tomorrow. Uh, it is absolutely wonderful. And this is really innovation at its best. Yeah, looking forward to um, uh, to visiting. I, I was there with uh, Kieran Cannon. God, it must be over a year ago now when it was only um, 
uh, getting going and uh, was very keen to come back and do the official opening. So, uh, as you know, there's a huge um, FDI investment happening in Athenry with uh, yeah. Dexcom uh, moving on site and going to employ uh, a thousand people in really good jobs in the area. But it's not just about FDI. What's really important is that we uh, help um, Irish innovative companies Irish-owned innovative companies, particularly in the food sector, and this is a really good example of that, and uh, will have benefit as well for farmers and um, the wider Galway area and Galway region, so looking forward to seeing it in my own eyes and um, getting a chance to cut the ribbon. But it is what it, what it is, and it's quite simple. We'll have it shortly in a package that I recorded on Monday with the guys out there. It, it basically, somebody who's working at their kitchen table put, make, putting pro, um, product together to bring to Galway market or any other market, they can now ramp that up so they can. They can, they can rent the kitchen for a morning or an afternoon and eventually they can actually go into a large capacity unit and they can employ up to 30 people in Athenry. Yeah, that, that's right and it's a, a model that we hope to use in other parts of the country. Um, if somebody is setting up a food business it's a big risk to scale up. You know, yeah. There are a lot that are doing really well, they're producing a really good product, they're making a profit, able to provide an income for themselves and their families but they're afraid to scale up big because uh, it requires loans, borrowing, if it goes wrong, um, you might lose your business entirely. So this is really designed to um, uh, sort of back that up and make that easier because we want more Irish companies to think about um, moving from being small companies to big companies and going global themselves. Absolutely. So you, you will you use this model, did you say, moving forward in other parts of the country, maybe in the near future as well? Yeah, that's, that's, that's certainly the thinking. So it's really bringing everything together, uh, Chagask uh, on the campus as well, which I think makes a big difference too. And coming on last uh, Friday's announcement, which you were there, and the Connacht announcement as well, and you were at the game and that, uh, you're spending quite a bit of time in Galway. Uh, always a pleasure. One of my one of my favourite counties, and uh, Galway's a great city, and a delight to be part of that investment. Um, 20 million going into the new stadium. Um, enjoyed the game. I was there uh, on, in the stand, but... You know, when you're there, you really realise how much that investment is needed and a city of the scale of Galway yeah. uh, needs a stadium and needs kind of conference facilities um, as well. And Connacht Rugby is a great asset to the region. It's really not just about Galway. You know, it's an investment, I think, uh, in the whole of the west of Ireland. So um, uh, 20 million going into that from the government and then obviously money coming from other sources too. And will you have any major announcement tomorrow in Galway? Or are you just coming to do the opening and to do the uh, sporting event as well? No, 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 no particular announcement tomorrow. So, um, just keen to uh, have a chance to visit again, um, meet some of the Finnegan members and councillors, of course, and pe- people run the local elections. Um, I'll also, also be in Mount Bon as well. There's a new sports facility yeah. opening there, um, which is uh, an eight-lane running track, a soccer pitch, and that's being funded from the government sports capital program. Um, and we'll have a new announcement of funding for sports projects, uh, probably certainly in the next couple of months. And you know, one of the things I promised to do when I became Taoiseach back in uh, 2017 was to uh, double funding for arts, culture and sports and we'll actually have achieved that this year and uh, I, I think it's taxpayers' money well spent, you know, investment in sport um, it, it, it isn't just about the high-performance athletes that make us proud uh, of our county and our country, it's also about getting more people yeah. uh, involved in sport, um, women, young people, who are from minority backgrounds and that's good for health, good for mental health, uh, good for building stronger communities as well. Absolutely. I've just um, two other issues, immigration, by the way, and the Late Late Show uh, debacle as well when it comes to the toy show. Just with immigration, do you feel, are, are, we, are we losing 
are you losing control, the government losing control when it comes to immigration? And you take the Ross Lake House Hotel and what happened there and in other areas as well. Communication doesn't appear to be great. Is there something that can be done about that? I, I think there's lots that can be done. Um, communication is a very important part of it, but it's not just about communication. I, I don't think that whoever burned down that hotel uh, would have not burned it down if communications had been better. Unfortunately, there are people out there in our society who um, are uh, malign and uh, will um, do these kind of things. And it's not just migrants they'll target. It might be travellers. It might be even social housing sometimes. You know, it might be just people who are different. But how do you change and the narrative on that? Well, I think there are a few things. I think what's really important to point out is that in the round, migration is good for Ireland. Uh, if I go into um, any hospital in Ireland at the moment, I'll see our nursing home, I'll see a very diverse workforce, people from all over the world. We wouldn't be able to care for our sick and elderly in this country if it wasn't for uh, people coming from abroad to work in our public services. And if you look at investments like Boston Scientific, like Dexcom, um, like all the really good things going on in Galway, big companies paying billions in tax, yeah. the money we use to fund uh, our, our education, our, our health, our housing, uh, wouldn't be there if we couldn't bring in uh, talent uh, from, over abroad, from overseas. But also I think we need to reassure people that our system uh, is rules-based uh, and it's fair and welcoming to those who come here legally um, and it's firm uh, on people who come here illegally and we do enforce, enforce our rules and I think some people feel we don't. Um, they're buying into um, some of the misinformation that's out there um, and also on occasions there are people who are falling through the cracks who are getting through our systems and through our protections and that's why one of the things we will be doing is stepping up enforcement of our existing rules around illegal immigration. Um, we'll be trying to do better on the accommodation front um, using a few big centres rather than opening lots of new small centres around the country. Would there be one of those in Galway? I don't know any of the sites yet at the moment. Um, okay. Obviously, there's one in City West and West Dublin, yeah. not too far from me, um, but we don't have any sites designated at the moment. But the idea there is that if somebody comes to the country, claims asylum, uh, they would go to one or two, maybe three or four big centres. Um, we can usually turn around their application quite quickly, uh, give them status to stay here if they deserve it, um, uh, send them back uh, or if, um, if they don't. Uh, and uh, then only disperse people around the country at a later point okay. if it's a more complicated um, application, and that does happen sometimes. The late, late, the late, late show um, report indeed is out in relation to the uh, toy show, the musical as well. I know you, you may have seen it, you may not have seen it, but I mean, for it to go as far as it did without board approval leaves an awful lot of open questions that need to be answered, I mean, from a governance point of view. Uh, that's right, uh, and you know it's a significant failure of corporate governance. Um, I don't think it's a bad idea that RTE was trying to diversify what it does. You know, trying to raise more income. Um, there's not enough coming in from advertising anymore in the license fee, uh, so it wasn't a bad idea, I think, to try to do this. Um, but there was always a significant risk involved. It was a big investment, and really, you know, anything that involves um, an investment of more than one or two million any new project that should go by the board it's not good enough for the executive um, just to kind of go ahead and do that without board approval and you know to be honest uh, the board members should have asked more questions you know when they became aware of it so um, the question is how did it get that far I mean in a small company like this there's procedures you you have minimums and then you get board approval uh, for it but how did it get so far that they were signing contracts for nearly a million euro without the board being aware of it. I mean, that's the answer that needs to be to be given by whoever is responsible. 
Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I know the Oireachtas Committee, which has been very active on this, um, yeah. will um, will want to hold more hearings. Um, the senior executives, the full-time employees in RT who were involved in this are now gone, uh, but there are still board members uh, who were around at that time. And uh, I, I think I think it's likely that um, the uh, Rockdis Committee is going to want to have the new DG and, and the new chair come in and, and uh, answer some questions. You did say you don't want the board to resign. I think that's a good idea because you need stability for the rest of the team that are in there. You need stability, but whoever is responsible needs to stand up. There's no repercussions, but stand up and say, I made a mistake. Before I let you go, because I know they're waiting for you, the Galway STD, Murray's Farrell, has hit out at the Teaching Over comments that you made about vulture funds, uh, bulk buying homes. You've responded by saying you don't want them to be snapping up family homes and that. But how do you stop this? And uh, do you regret yourself and Pascal Donoghue and otherwise not doing something with vulture funds and controlling them more down through the years? Um, well, we have. We, we changed the law in uh, 2021 so that uh, investment funds can't buy up uh, family homes in bulk. What we saw happen in Dublin recently uh, was a planning permission uh, that was granted in 2019. So, you yeah. know, you can't change the law retrospectively um, under a constitution. One thing we're looking at is whether we need to increase the stamp duty further, um, you know, just to cover those the, the, those um, those old developments that were granted permission before 2021. But one thing I, I think is important to say about investment funds, you know, when I first got into government back in 2011, 2012, there were only five or five to seven thousand homes being built in the country we're now up to thirty thousand you know the number of new homes being built every year has quadrupled and in many cases um those new homes were financed by investment funds um we would have fewer homes in ireland today if it were not for those investment funds but there's an appropriate role for them and that is funding new developments that wouldn't otherwise happen what's inappropriate is when they come in and buy a development that somebody else funded and then take away you know a, a home that maybe a local family could have bought and the cost of uh, building, whether it has well, it hasn't quadrupled, but it's gone up by uh, by thirty to forty percent over that period of time as well. That's that's right, and you know that's factors beyond our control. It's linked to the cost of materials like steel, for example. Um, we're now seeing construction inflation leveling off, which is which is encouraging. But if you look around Europe, um, the increase in the cost of building things has caused. Uh, a real fall off in the building of new homes being built, you know, from Europe to Australia, you're seeing a fall off in home construction. Um, we've actually bucked that trend in Ireland. Uh, more homes, we'll get the exact numbers out later today, but I understand that when the numbers come out, we'll know that more homes were built last year than any year in 15 years. Um, and that is at least in part down to government policies like waiving the development levies, for example, and putting in place things like the first home scheme and, and help to buy. Okay. And, and now, in particular, the grants to uh, do up old buildings, um, bring derelict buildings back to life as, as new homes and a uh, huge number of applications in from Galway, particularly rural, rural parts of Galway. And uh, great to see that happening. And if there's one thing I regret not doing sooner, it is that. Dietrich, thanks for joining us uh, today. Enjoy uh, Athenry tomorrow. And just after the short commercial break, I'll give you the package that I, I recorded in Athenry on Monday. Dietrich Lear of Radker, thank you dude, for joining us. And he will be in Athenry tomorrow. Quick commercial break, and then I'll give you the package from Athenry and that wonderful campus. A very good morning to you. Welcome back into today's programme. I'm standing in the Bia Innovator campus in Athenry and I'm joined by two gentlemen indeed who are going to tell us all about it. The Taoiseach will be on this very site tomorrow indeed uh, to do the official opening on it. Peter Feeney, I'm chair of the board of the Bia Innovator campus. This is a wonderful innovation, so it is. How long has this project been in gestation? 
Ooh, um, you're going back to 2017, Keith. Um, if you remember the um, the uh, region of gastronomy, we were uh, European region of gastronomy at that stage, and there was felt that we should have a legacy project, and it was also felt that the food sector wasn't, I suppose, supported or wasn't being encouraged like it should be. We we have a great the edge of the Atlantic, every clean air, clean food. And we just weren't getting the the, the, the returns from the food sector. So <clears throat> it was found it was felt that if we put something in place like this to encourage, to support um, the food sector, we would bring up, if you like to de-risk it so that a person with an idea didn't have to spend their life savings in order to find out that something wouldn't work. We want to create that atmosphere where people can test things, you can try out things. If it doesn't work, fine. If it works, brilliant. Is it one of few in the country because it's to a very high standard? So if somebody has a germ of an idea, they can take it from that idea to production. Yeah, we're unique in some in some ways in the country in that we also, as well as providing the, providing the space, we also provide the expertise. Um, and the, we have technologists here who are um, paid by Chagask and we're indebted to Chagask and the County Council for their support in this. I mean, it's it, without either body, it wouldn't have happened. But yeah, I, ideally, we want someone if, with an idea and a bag of ingredients to turn up at the door and say, I have an idea. We can cope with that person very easily. We have shared kitchens. We have people who will talk them through processes, shelf lives, um, all of that sort of thing. So um, you can get them in for a half a day into the kitchens, produce their stuff. If it works, great. If it doesn't, go back and tweak it again. Then you take the next step on. If you're producing then, if you're being successful and you're producing a, a pallet of stuff, then we have units in buildings two and three where we can grow that um, we can grow the, 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 the business into supplying uh, supermarkets or whatever, or exporting. So that's the whole plan, that we take it from start to finish. Peter, you were saying to me that if somebody is going to the Goldwyn market and they're making whatever product they are, and they're doing it at home, that that, that is what the Be Innovator Campus is all about, to come here, talk to the people. Yeah, we're, we feel like we're the next step. So if you're producing at home, uh, from the, for the market and you're getting demand for your pro, uh, your produce and you want to scale up then come to us here you can rent um, the uh, shared kitchens for a day or a half a day or a week and you can do that on a regular basis maybe once a week to produce your stuff for the market and then if you find again that you're increasing in production and in demand you can scale up and move into our um, our units um, which are owned or units um, and and produce and build your food enterprise from here, absolutely. So this has come from 2017 to now 2024. It's been it's been a long time coming, but the time is now. It's here now. Yeah, it's here now. We're really excited about it. Um, it's it's at a time when all the talk is about sustainability and food miles and all of that. So the more good produce and the more good food that we can produce in the west of Ireland for the people of the west of Ireland, the better. And if we can export that to the rest of the country and abroad, even better. But it just, it, if you like, it's the scaffolding or it's the foundation for a food industry which is there but needs encouragement. Uh, it's very difficult to, if, you're, if you take your person making scones or making jam, it's very hard to, to, to generate the amount of money that's needed to build a unit, 
to finance all of that. These units are effectively the same as healthcare units in terms of uh, quality and in terms of hygiene. So it's very difficult to get that far without help from the state agencies. And we are, if you like, in the, in the, in, in, in the position of the state agencies. Martin Kelly, Acting General Manager. Are you very happy the way it's, it, it has turned out? Yes, absolutely. I'm ecstatic, Keith. I think it's really come together over the last couple of months. I think if you come out here and you take a look at the place, um, people will be really impressed by the state-of-the-art facilities that are available to the food community. So the food community need to be educated that it's here for them, and it's, it is here, but they have to make contact and talk to people. Absolutely, and we would drive them towards our website as a starting point and our expression of interest form. And there's a lot of information there, and if they fill out one of those forms, um, we will duly be in touch. Now, the kitchens, um, there's, there's one for dairy, there's one for meat, and there's one for baking. So you've done them to a very high standard, or they're being done to a very high standard? Absolutely. So state-of-the-art um, high specifications. So to your point there, we have four co-production kitchens, one of them dairy, one meat, one seafood, one general purpose. So if, for example, if you take the dairy unit, if you were a farmer and you were trying to develop enough farm income, you could come in here, you bring in your raw milk. We have the equipment to pasteurize the milk, convert it into finished product, be that cheese, yogurt, butter, um, freeze it, and then send it back out the door in the afternoon as a finished product. So I think that's a really amazing um, opportunity for the food community. It really is a huge um, investment, but then the impact is going to have on local food producers if they buy into it and if they come here is going to be huge. Absolutely. I would say um, it's a huge privilege. I think we have um, we've a huge asset and a huge resource here available to be tapped in. We have um, de-risked um, a lot of opportunities for a lot of companies. We're saving them um, um, investment um, in facilities or in seed capital. Um, so, yeah. We've made our way into the demonstration room here, but this is a very... Um, it is a demonstration room, but it's done in tiered seating and capacity for 60 people, state-of-the-art with TVs and cameras. Yes, Keith, um, when, we, when we were doing it, we wanted to do it properly. Um, this, is, yeah, we have 60 seats in a, in a theatre layout. We have a demonstration kitchen at the front on a raised platform. Um, we also have cameras there, so beaming down onto the work, onto the work surfaces, and in turn those pictures are beamed onto screens where the audience can see what's happening without craning their necks, if you like. So it's an ideal situation, it's, it's an ideal um, uh, demonstration kitchen, but it's also a room that can be used for a lot of other um, meetings. And we've a lot of interest in this room from agencies and groups who want to use, if you like, an intimate theatre setting for um, days away and um, seminars and that sort of thing. And you also said that the videos from this can be sent all over the world. Yeah, we have really good Wi-Fi here. Um, we're on the, the state system, if you like. So um, we can send it literally anywhere in the world, um, a top quality feed anywhere, to the, anywhere in the world. 
Yeah, and I suppose in terms of its usage, um, we would um, envisage it being used for um, education and training purposes. Perhaps some media want to come in um, and use uh, facilities. Perhaps there's some opportunities for corporate team building. And from a tourism point of view, I suppose this facility or this um, particular room is very important. And then we also being see it being utilised in terms of education and training. Maybe some media personalities may want to take advantage of it, perhaps for some um, corporate events. So we see multiple uses for it really. Peter, when you walk around you see there's three buildings in total. So there's the, the main building that we're in here and then this building two and building three. Um, can you explain to me the rationale for that? Yes, well the plan we had and the vision we had was to firstly meet that person with the idea and the and the ingredients at the door and bring them through each step of building a business. So you created your product, you you marketed, you sold it, you built um, orders. Then from the shared kitchen area, you moved into building three, which is um, uh, nine own-door units. So you got a, it's, a, it's a production unit done to the highest standards so that anything that comes out of those units can go straight into a supermarket. There's no issue with um, with hygiene or anything like that. These are these are units that are to the very highest international standards. So if you and if you were really successful there, you can move on to the other building where where we have three um, own door units, much larger, about three times the size, and we envisage that uh, businesses there will be actually exporting. And if you're lucky enough, and if your business is lucky enough to be so successful further than that, then you can move on into the wider area in some other location across the country. But we want to bring, we want to be able to uh, help everybody and every, at each step of that progression, we want to be able to help people to de-risk so they can do this. The problem always was that if you, if you invested in a food, the investment is so large for the returns it really was too high a risk. So we've taken the risk out of that. So if you rent a unit, and if your business doesn't work, well, all you'll ever lose is the rent of the unit and your own time, and you can start again. The problem is, a lot of times, if people fail at business, that they can't start again because they're burdened with debt. and, and But we take all that out of it, or the vast majority of that out of it, and they can then move on to do something else or else have a really successful business. So going back then from the kitchen table to the big innovator campus to building number two and maybe onwards to building number three. Yes, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. That was our vision. We've realised it and now we need um, food businesses to come in here and partner with us so we can deliver it. And then outside of the production facilities, Keith, we have a host of other um, services and products that we offer. So we have the 60-seater auditorium. In addition to that, we have a 14-station culinary training room that's going to be utilised in the education and training space. Um, GRETB are about to start running a bakery apprenticeship course there um, and also a commie chef course shortly. Then um, we also have um, our business engagement zone. So that's made up of 12 hot desks that are available to rent on a daily basis. Then we have a range of meeting rooms. So you can come in and you can book a meeting room that can accommodate one up to 48 people. And then we also have a podcast studio that's available to rent on an hourly or a daily basis. 
We've come back into the showcase room, which is like a very posh um, shop. What is this going to be used for, can I ask you? Um, so this is our showcase room, Keith, and this is available um, to be rented out by either manufacturers or by retailers. Um, effectively, I suppose, a lot of people who work in the... Um, a lot of small food enterprises, they spend their, their time and their resources investing in production and they don't have somewhere that's kind of show worthy, I suppose. So in effect, they can come in here and it's kitted out like a storefront. They can um, build their planogram like you would see in a, in a store. If you went in, we have a refrigerated unit here, a host of shelving. They can invite their retail buyers in um, to meet them here and it communicates, I suppose, a professional image. Um, in addition, then, this space may be rented by retailers. So BIA has been operational since late 2021. Um, we've um, engaged with some retailers before where we've brought them in and we have uh, facilitated meetings with some of our service users. So it gives them an opportunity to come in here and we coordinate an entire day of buyer meetings. Finally, Peter, um, who made this happen and how many people were involved in this? Okay, well, going back to 2017, I suppose it started up with Galway County Council and Chagask. Um, and there was a feasibility study done at that point, um, which showed that there was a great need and an appetite for a, a development like this in the West. Um, very early on, we got um, people from Enterprise Ireland on board. They've been incredibly, Maeve, incredibly good. Maeve Conahan and her team have been excellent. Um, um, and from a political point of view, you have to say that people like Heather Humphreys has been brilliant in, firstly, when she was Minister for Enterprise, and secondly, then more recently, when she's been uh, Minister for Com Rural and Community Development. Um, that department, both departments, have been real supporters of ours uh, through Enterprise Ireland and through the funding from the, the, the Red F funding. Following on from that, LEADER has been excellent that with Gaul Rural Development who are co-located here on the Mellows campus with us. Western Development Commission on the board and have been really positive towards us. Um, um, GRETB are one of our founding uh, partners and they will be long-term <coughs> long users of the facility here. And as, as Martin said, they're already starting a couple of courses here over the next couple of months. So that's really positive. So we have, this is, if you like, the, we have the community, Athenrite Community Council, who are involved as well. I was chair of that when I became chair of this. So all in all, we have a huge cross-section of groups um, we call it the quadruple helix, which is um, state, local government, private and community, all of that coming together to create this, uh, it's a fairly unique structure uh, here, which has in itself led to some issues, but, but it's, it's, it's been a brilliant project start to finish.